Thank you very much, Mr. Newsom. My name is Heis Minterhout, located in Northern California. I'm the Monday evening wildcard with Winfrey, located in Sedona, Arizona. And time will tell what's going to happen. Let's wait and see. And as usual, this is a simulcast with a conference call. Today it is May 16, 2022. I welcome the next caller. Please say your name and location. Hi, hi. It's Bonnie in California. Uh, welcome, Bonnie. Hi, hi. Bonnie. <clears throat> hi, guys. All right. And welcome to all of you listening in online through BBS Radio. We appreciate your presence. And FYI, right after this one-hour show, we go over to a different conference call, our daily Whole Planet Healing conference call, and BBS will follow us to the other conference call. So this, after this hour, another hour of Whole Planet Healing. I welcome the next caller. Please say the name and location. Hi, hi. It's Jeannie and Citrus Heights. Hi, Jeannie. Hello, Jeannie. Jeannie. Welcome. Hi, Jeannie. Hi. Hi, <coughs> Jeannie. All right. And what we do at Whole Planet Healing is kind of a group energy. We connect together. We also connect with our sources from the other side, the Elohim group and the Ra group. We connect with Mother Earth. And no channeling. We do just um, conscious connection and then put issues into the love light that we think need help, particularly the earthquakes, volcanoes, and other worldly situations. And also, Bonnie reads a, an excerpt of one of the channeled messages, usually. That's in the second hour, after this one hour. Hi, guys. Hey, Lynn, welcome. Am I clear? You are clear. Okay. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Bonnie. I said hi to you before, Lynn. I don't know if you heard me. <clears throat> This is Judy. Oh, hi, Judy. Hi. Hi, Judy. Hi, Bonnie. I said hi to you when you called in. You probably didn't hear me. Everybody was saying hi at once. So, uh-huh. you know how that goes. We drown each other out. Right. Lynn, I think you got a low you volume. That's you, Bonnie. You think I have low volume? Well, it's not too bad. Are you speaking? Okay. I'm on VOIP. All right. So I could call on the phone. It's uh, I think I would stick to this. I think you're better on the VOIP usually when, from what I remember. Right. Right. Happy Monday. Welcome to the conference call. Please say name and location. Hi, hi. This is Cecil from the Great Northwest. Hi, Welcome, Cecil. Hi, hi guys. Hi. Good to have you. And welcome to all of you listening in online through BBS Radio. Happy Monday. 
And thanks for being here. All right. Anything interesting in the... Uh, happy Monday. Welcome to the conference call. Please say your name and location. This is Terry and Sedona. Hi, Terry. Hello, Terry. Hi, everybody. Hi, Terry. Hello. I hope you're feeling better, Terry. Yes. All right, and welcome to the next call. Please say your name and location. Roger and Austin. Hi, Roger. Hi, Roger. Roger. Roger, welcome. Hi, hi, hi. Well, we're going to do a really interesting call tonight. Something we've never done before. <laughs> if, Yay! If you, can, if you can believe that, after 20 years Finally. in the air. Finally, right? we've got something good. <laughs> They're always interesting. Yes, of course they are. Now, did you guys... Did you guys like the Sunday calls? The Sunday call? Yes. Yeah. I wasn't on the morning call, so I can't say anything. I guess I would like it though if I had been on it. I, I got on the evening call. Well, it was one of those calls that it I took what Bonnie was reading from the reincarnation of Edgar Casey. You know, the um healing the original wound and um, and I thought that was the best chapter in the book I mean it was a channeling through Wilcock and uh, I was amazed that that could come through him and it did and it couldn't have been from his conscious mind and uh, and I kind of expanded on it Sunday because it, it 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 went into a very fundamental issue of the human dilemma. That's how that's how I would describe it. And. It, it affects us all, but it's hard to see it in yourself. Does that make sense? Did you guys listen to it? Yes. I know what you mean, though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know what you mean. You'd have to listen to it, you know? And I think we're going to start, all right? You need to speak, speak louder. I need to speak louder? Yeah, that's better. It'll be better, yeah. Okay. You want me to start the call, D, what you're saying, Win? Start the recording? Well, Terry's on. Everybody's on. It's 6.06. Hello to everybody in BBS, okay? And... Um, Let's see here. 
Yeah. Start the recording. Muted. All right. May 16th. The recording yes. has started. This is May 16th, 2022. Winfrey and Terry Brown in Sedona, Arizona. And everybody everywhere. And this is our Monday night wild card night. And I decided I wanted to tell many of you have heard bits and pieces of this, but I've never told the story all in one chunk. And 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 I didn't want to focus on my past in this lifetime because I didn't want to detract from the work we do with the Elohim and the Ra group. And, but I think we've grounded that energy on these calls. And I think it's interesting to know where I came from. I'm looking here because prior to doing this, I had a pretty unusual life. And hang on a second. Unmuted. Now, are all of you okay with me doing this? Yeah, didn't somebody, I think it was Jackie, didn't she ask you to do this? Because there's no. somebody, somebody did. Uh, I don't think so. But I have a reason for it, you know. I talked a little bit about it on mm -hmm. Sunday, and I realized... You know, we're doing something so unusual. Okay. Muted. If you're listening on BBS, and particularly if you're not a regular listener, I've had this circumstance in my life that started in 2002 when my friend woke me up in the middle of the night and said, get the tape recorder out. Now, everyone's heard this story, but I'm just saying this for BBS. And we began a communication with what identified itself as a group soul. And they called themselves the Council of Elohim. And they said they created the universe. Now, how could I believe that? I didn't. And 20 years later, we're still asking them questions. They have answered questions that are so deep and so amazing. And many people on this planet are old souls. 
And when you're an old soul, you don't necessarily know you're an old soul. Um, you may never even thought about being an old soul. You might not even know there's such a thing as reincarnation. And if you do know about it, you probably have no memory of your past lifetimes, because that's the way it works. But you carry the same soul through every life. And it keeps, hopefully, it keeps learning and um, and here we are in 2022 and each of us is totally different. Our souls are different because we have different experiences through all of our lifetimes and um, And each lifetime programs your soul like a computer. And when you come into a new lifetime, you have no memory, but you have access, access to it. I'm sorry, Kathleen Garvey is calling me and I gotta tell her. Hey, I'm on a call. Okay. So bye. I'm on my Monday night call. Bye. So most of you that are on the call, in fact, all of you that are on the call have heard my story about how this all started. And let me just tell you how I started. That's what I was going to do on this call. Let's see how much I can. Can you get that closer to your mic? Is that better? Yes. Okay. And I was born in Philadelphia to a middle class Jewish family. And when I was growing up, I could see deeply into other people. We would have dinners every week with a family in my grandmother's house. And I was very sensitive. And I was not very communicative. And, you know, my mother really somehow recognized me and we oftentimes would sit at the kitchen table and she would confide in me, you know, the things going on for her. And my father was not so happy that I was there. And in fact, I didn't feel loved by him and I felt kind of rejected by him and that I wasn't good enough. And sometime around 13 years old, 14 years old, I remember looking at 
a radio, of all things, okay? And I said to myself, I want to learn how this radio works. And I started, I went to the library and I got books out. I was reading about radios. And lo and behold, I had a, an amazing aptitude for it. I didn't even know that. But I understood how a radio works, how a signal could come down an antenna and through all these tubes, because they were all tubes at that time, and then come out of a speaker. And eventually, I became a ham radio operator. And I started building my own transmitters. And I did it in my bedroom in Philadelphia, in a little row house. I started putting up big antennas on the roof. And uh, every so often, a neighbor would call and say, is he screwing up my television? <laughs> because that would happen sometimes. And, and then I started a radio club. And, and, and I had all these other ham radio operators coming and being in my club and we did activities together. And then I got a commercial radio license. And I was very, very young. I was 14 or 15. And a commercial radio license called a first class commercial would allow you to um, work in TV stations and radio stations. And I obviously had an aptitude for all of this. And when I started getting ready to graduate high school, and I had to think about what I was going to do with my future, I thought that I was supposed to be an electrical engineer or some kind of professor. And um, interestingly enough, in high school, I wasn't very good at English, but I was really good at math. And at the same time, I was like feeling there's something wrong with the world. And the first thing I connected with about something wrong with the world was Bob Dylan. And it's like he was talking to me deeper than the consciousness, any other consciousness that was around me, my parents, my relatives. And like many people growing up, I was thinking that I'm supposed to get married, have children, and have a, you know, have a life, meet with a family once a week. And I decided, you know, I'm going to go to college. And I had a choice of going to Drexel, which is 
an engineering school in Philadelphia, or I had a choice of going, well, I wanted to apply to Berkeley because my best friend in high school was going to Berkeley. And that just seemed like a romantic idea, going to California. And in those days, California had a very exalted reputation, especially UC Berkeley. Now, just to mention a couple of facts that happened to me while I was growing up that were kind of relevant. One thing was I worked in an electronics store in downtown Philadelphia after school. And that was a great experience because there were two partners Arnold Lutz and Charles Nowinski. And Arnold was kind of very aggressive, short, you know, quick to speech. And Charles was an old soul. Of course, I didn't know what an old soul was at that time. But I had this great affinity with Charles. And he was eccentric like he was a man but he wasn't like any other man that i knew he and it was a surplus electronic store it had like four stories on it on art street and he built himself an apartment on the second story and lived there by himself and oftentimes he and I would go out and have dinner together, or occasionally he, he would ride the subway to my stop and then go back downtown, I guess to make sure that I was okay. And he had all of these deep books, philosophy books, and, and I, would never, I was never exposed to that before. And eventually, he went to Poland. His name was Nowinski. And he married a woman and brought her back to live in his second floor apartment on the electronics store, in the electronics store. And uh, I would go and visit them. And I mean, his, the way he conducted himself was so different from anyone I knew, any older person that I knew. And we, we would have philosophical conversations. And sometimes we would walk down to Independence Hall and, and I, I would sometimes go with him and sometimes go by myself. And I would stare at it. I was fascinated with it. I could feel energy from it. And of course, some of you know that uh, I had a past life when that was happening. I didn't know that, of course. And another one of my favorite things to do was to go to the Franklin Institute. Franklin Institute was a technology institute in Philadelphia a technology museum. 
and 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 it was fascinating. It would go through it, and and there was this big statue of Benjamin Franklin sitting in a chair in their main lobby. And I used to stare at that statue every time I went. I'd stare at that statue and I thought to myself, I know what it felt like to be that guy. And uh, of course, some of you know that there is a lot of indications that I was that guy, okay, in, in a past life. And that's a whole story. But um, somehow, my father wanted me to go to Drexel. And I wanted to go to Berkeley. And my father was saying he wasn't going to support me if I went to Berkeley. And we got into a big fury. And I said, I'm going anyway. I don't care. I'll work. I'll do what it takes. And Eventually, he said, okay. And I, I went to Berkeley, prepared to study physics. And I was there at the time. It was one of the most amazing times to be in Berkeley because there was something happening called the free speech movement. And I was caught up in it. Um, they were having rallies every day. They would have speakers. They were, if you recall that whole time, they occupied the administration building for the university. They occupied a park and called it People's Park. And and my friend who went to Berkeley, who was my best friend in high school, got all involved in that and was arrested. I forget for what, probably trespassing on the university or something. And um, it was also the beginning of hippies. And of course, Berkeley and Haight-Ashbury were the birthplace of hippies and and drugs. And and I used to I used to love hanging around in the midst of all the action. You know, the rallies, the, there were bands playing in, you know, outdoors in the park and in, in, on the university. And I think I saw Janis Joplin and uh, who else? And I was curious because I was a nerd and I was just really attracted to all of this. But I never felt like I belonged okay, to anything. In fact, I was always looking for, who am I? What am I supposed to do? And I would do the rounds of 
bulletin boards in the student union looking for notices, looking for something. And while I was, then there was this woman who I ran into in front of the student union. And she, she and I were talking and we probably ran into each other five or six times. And while all of this was going on, no, I didn't, uh, I should sit in this story. I talked about Bob Dylan and how I was so enamored by his lyrics and his looking at society. And it was a very, it was a time of a lot of idealism, you know, uh, making the world a loving place and, and, and one time when I drove across the country, I would go back to Philadelphia when school was out and stay with my parents for the summer. And I got a job or I would get jobs working in TV stations and radio stations. And I got them because I had this commercial radio license and I was, they had to hire people all the time, temporary people for the summer because in those days, there was not automation on a TV studio or a radio studio. Everything had to be run manually, like roll the commercial, punch, and there would be like five people that were all having to do all of that. Somebody had to start the videotape machine. Somebody had to punch the audio to make the announcer go on. Somebody had to start a film machine and and, some t and somebody had to play music when it was required. And sometimes I would go there in the morning and I would be the guy that opened the station and I was doing the audio and I had to play the Star Spangled Banner where they had the flag waving. And if you made a mistake, all the mistakes you made would get written up and posted. And of course, you know, they're running commercials and if you run a mistake, they have to rebate the commercial, right? Or something. In any case, it was just a way of keeping people really sharp. And I remember one mistake I made was like, I came in in the morning and uh, I was playing the Star Spangled Banner and I played it at 78 instead of 33. So it finished and then the flag just waved for a minute. And then another time I was working in the radio station of the educate was WHYY. It was the educational, you know, um, what do you call it? The educational 
station. And um, and I was playing a Gilbert and Sullivan opera. And I think this was the first time I experienced an impact. I call it a synchronicity. And maybe it was a coincidence, but it was something impossible happened. I was playing a Gilbert and Sullivan opera and I was very casual. I had my feet on the table, was talking to somebody on the phone and I had to go from side one, it was two records, side one, two, three, four. And I had to go from side one to side two. And you know, you would fade out side one and bring in the volume for side two. And I'm playing side two and somebody calls the station and said, hey, they're out of, they're out of order. I'm an expert on Gilbert and Sullivan. And I looked at the record and sure enough, I was careless and it was out of order. I was playing side three instead of side two. And so I put side two on and I put it on just about as far into it as it was on, I put side three on and I faded out, but it still had to be over at the right time. So I faded out side two, I faded out side three, which is the mistake, and I turned up the volume on side two. And of course, I was written up all over the station. The following week, there was another Gilbert and Sullivan opera. And I was so careful. And I kept looking at them. I said, this is side one. And then there were two, two, two turntables. And this is side two. And I kept looking back down at it as if the record was gonna flip over when I turned my back. And okay, it's still side two. And so I faded from side one to side two. And the same guy that called the week before called the station and said, they're out of order. And I looked at it. And I said, no, they're not out of order. I'm playing side two. And he says, I'm an expert on Gilbert and Sullivan. And I took out the script. They had a script for it. And sure enough, I was playing side three, but it was labeled side two. Never in my life have I ever experienced a record with the, with the label wrong, but the label was wrong. And to tell you the truth, I still can't figure it out. I mean, maybe it was just a coincidence or maybe I was thinking so hard that I changed it molecularly. But in any case, I just, that was what I did during the summers. And then probably in my second year of college, I was driving across the country back to Berkeley and I used to get people who wanted to ride with me and share the 
Gaius. And uh, I remember reading in some interview that Bob Dylan's parents lived in Hibbing, Minnesota. And I went, I convinced the guys that were riding with me, hey, let's go to Hibbing, Minnesota and meet Bob Dylan's parents. And, and we did. And, and I read in the interview that his parents owned an appliance store. And there's only one appliance store in Hibbing. And I went there. And I said, I was wanted to meet Bob Dylan's parents. And the guy who was at the counter said, wait a moment. And I saw him. He made a phone call. And he said, oh, we got another one here. And so they said, send them up. So he gave me directions. And when we went to the house that Bob Dylan grew up in, and uh, they, they were very gracious. They served us coffee. And they showed us the basement room where he used to write songs. And there was a big cutout of him. And I'm going to jump back now to Berkeley. And I started writing my own lyrics to Bob Dylan melodies and other people's melodies. And I did it just as a, for sport. You know, I didn't take it seriously. And, and I started playing these things for some of the people I knew and everyone loved it. And they gave me a lot of um, uh, encouragement for it. So I kept writing. And then I would, after I wrote it, and I started changing the original melody and put my own melody in. And then there was this woman that I kept meeting on the campus. Her name was Jillian. And one day she invited me to her house. And I played her some of these songs I was writing, and she was really taken with me. And we started to have a relationship. And I suddenly realized the power of music and etc. Because I would say prior to that, I had no idea how to have a relationship with a woman, particularly since I was, I didn't want to really follow my family's pattern. I, 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 part of me wanted to get married and have children and another part didn't. Well, Jillian, I couldn't sing. I was a terrible singer and Jillian was from New Zealand and she had a really kind of pure voice. She used to sing in the church choir. And she said, why don't I sing your songs? And so she started singing my songs. And we started a rock and roll band, okay? You know, I should sing you, I, I, I should let you hear one of the songs that I wrote, 
way back when I first started writing songs. And then I suddenly realized that I really was writing good songs. And they were competing with things that I heard on the radio. Surprised me. But um, I kept doing it. And Jillian and I started a rock and roll band. And I, I should also mention, I was a nerd. I was like, you know, I was trying to find myself. But I was very much into science and, and, and electronics, et cetera, et cetera. And Jillian, I thought, was a nutcase, a lovable nutcase, because she was into everything I wasn't. She was into metaphysics. She was into Edgar Cayce. She was into astrology. And, um, and I couldn't imagine how astrology could work at that time. And, and what happened was I started to know everybody's sign who were our friends, people that were our friends. And occasionally I would meet somebody who had the same sign as someone else that I knew and I would guess their sign. I, I recognized some quality even when I didn't believe in the whole thing. And I guessed their sign and it happened a few times. And I said, there's something to this. And I learned how to do astrology charts. And I started doing everybody's chart. And, 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 and this is, we were also playing music at bars and clubs in Berkeley. And we actually played opening act to some of the people that went on to become really famous. And Jillian and I, the band broke up and Jillian and I decided to take a trip around the country. And I had a Volkswagen bus, and oh, I think it was a 55 camper. And, and we started driving around the country and uh, we would stop in a town and we'd go into bars and we'd play in between the bands. And it was a very good time to do that because everybody was reading about hippies. But at that time, most of the hippies and those people were in the Bay Area, and we were like hippie emissaries playing music everywhere. And um, and we had adventures and adventures. We probably did it for three years. And then we came back to Berkeley, and Jillian didn't want to do it anymore, and I did. And so I kept thinking about it. And I was thinking about, I was kind of modeling myself 
on Bob Dylan and Woody Guthrie, who would go around traveling everywhere playing music. At least I thought they did. I know Woody Guthrie did. I don't know about Bob Dylan, but he created that image for himself. And uh, oh, I should mention in in one of the trips while Jillian and I were traveling around, we happened to be in Woodstock, New York. And Bob Dylan lived in Woodstock. And I said, maybe we should just go say hello to him. But I didn't know where he lived. And I asked people in the town where he lived. They said, well, he's just up that hill somewhere. So we drove up that hill and then we parked in a little clearing and and I was sitting there telling Jillian, well, this is like a needle in a haystack. We're never going to know where he lives and he probably wouldn't be that happy to have us knock on his door anyway. And I'm saying that to Jillian and she is nudging me saying, look, and he's pointing out the window. And here's this guy walking his horse through this clearing. And she says, isn't that Bob? And I opened the window. And I looked at him and I said, are you Bob? And he said, yeah. And I said, uh, um, well, we were coming to see you. And he said, what do you want to do? I said, I wanted to play you one of my songs. And uh, he said, go ahead. <laughs> and I got my guitar out, stood in front of the car, and I played a song. I remember the song I played, too. Um, and he said, that was real nice. And then he walked off. <laughs> so that was just one little episode. And then uh, we're back in Berkeley, and I, I'm telling Jillian, I want to have an adventure. And I got my guitar. I got my astrology books. I got a backpack. And I said, I want to see what happens if I go on the road by myself with my music and my astrology books. And that was an event that changed my life big time. And I discovered synchronicities up the wazoo. And one thing that I learned is that, well, anybody who picked me up, I would get my astrology books out. I'd do a reading on them. And, um, and I got to know everybody's signs. And then there was this phenomena that was happening. Because I would have a couple, for example, where the guy was an Aries and the woman was a Cancer. 
and we'd be driving along and I'd be writing my books and reading their charts and they would drop me off and I had to wait for another ride. Sometimes I waited about two hours, three hours and I get another ride. It was another Aries man and a cancer woman. And they would drop me off. And it would be another Aries man and a cancer woman. Then the next day it would shift. And I was like trying to figure out how does that work? How come there is this repeating cycle of the way people are picking me up? And then I was in New York City. I finally got to New York and I went to play a little club in New York and I had my backpack in the club. I didn't I didn't have any place to stay. And a couple guys were there and they said, You can stay at our place and they lived in the East Village and um I stayed there a few days and they say, Listen, we have a spare room here to rent controlled apartment. You could rent a room for twenty five dollars a month. So I did it. I rented it. And um and the synchronicities continued. I would go into the village and I'd sit on the stoop somewhere and I'd have my astrology books and I'd be calling people over, say, hey, can I give you a reading? And I remembered that I did this reading for a woman who was born May 28th. And and I had a really strong affinity for her. And when I finished, she walked away. And then a short time later, another woman came up. And I looked at her. And I felt a connection with a woman before. And I said, are you a Gemini? And she said, yeah. How do you know? And I said, May 28th? And she said, yeah. And I recognized her energy. Now, if you, you probably don't know, some of you know something about astrology, but May 28th is Gemini. And I'm a Taurus, but my Venus is in Gemini. My Venus is six degrees Gemini. And um, Venus, somebody who's born on May 28th, their sun is six degrees in Gemini. So my Venus is six degrees, their sun is Gemini, and, and they're both all six degrees. That's called a conjunction in astrology. And it means there's a lot of energy flow. And what that meant in my own little ecosystem 
was I would have, what's the right word? I would fall for these women. I mean, I, I didn't do anything with them, but I would feel the connection, like vibratorily and swooning. And actually, for the next three days, four days, I was me. I met probably six Gemini women who were born May twenty eighth. And I remember I was walking down Broadway with one of the friends I made in New York. His name was Burton Green, who was a jazz piano player. And we're just walking down the street, and I could feel that swooning energy come over me. And I looked up, and here was a mother who was walking her daughter down Broadway. And I looked at the daughter, and I said, are you a Gemini? And she said, yeah. And I said, May 28th? And panic went across the mother's face. Kind of like I was some kind of magician who guessed her daughter's birthday. And they walked off. And um, I got to stop this. I'll just, I'll go a little bit further and tell you that this apartment that I was renting a room in um, the owner was going to um, tear it down and turn it into a parking lot. And because of rent control, he couldn't make enough money on it. And this was kind of like a hippie pad. And these guys named Joey and Johnny had guys coming over all the time and smoking dope. And uh, and I guess I participated in it. I think I did. I, at a certain point, I stopped smoking marijuana. But when I was in Berkeley, I did. And it was just like what everyone did as part of a social kind of thing. And um, But the, there was a guy named Bob Reap, who was kind of a mountain man and used to make knives. And Bob liked me. And I liked... Bob. And so now I had to move from this place in the East Village in New York. And he said, well, you can come stay with me and my mom in Ringwood, New Jersey, which was about 30 miles away. And I didn't have, I don't think I had a car. I didn't have a car. No, I didn't have a car. And uh, we went to Ringwood and it was a beautiful little town by a lake. And Bob had this wonderful mother who loved me. And she thought I was good for Bob because Bob lived in the basement of our house and he would be bringing all the neighborhood girls over and smoking dope. And uh, she wasn't that pleased with that, but she was a great mother. And I was there for about two months and Bob told me, there was this town about 
15 miles away called Greenwood Lake. And we're about 40 miles from New York, I think, 30 or 40. And that he knew the owner of this discotheque and maybe I could get a gig um, playing music there. So we drove up, we went into the discotheque and uh, it was called TG's, Tommy Granatelli's. And Bob introduced me to the owner and I played him a couple of songs. And he said, you know, you're writing good songs, but you're much too quiet for the crowd here. And Greenwood Lake was on the border between New York and New Jersey. And all the young people from New Jersey would go there because the drinking age was 18 in New York and it was 21 in New Jersey. And um, he, he said, no one's gonna pay attention to you. But then he said, how much do you charge? And I said, $25. And so he put me on in between the bands. And I got up and sure enough, nobody was listening to me. I could have been invisible. I think I played two songs. And then something in me snapped and I said, how am I gonna connect with these people? And I looked at the crowd and I just said, I'm gonna do a primal scream. And I screamed with all my might and everybody stopped what they were doing and looked at me. And I said, what am I gonna do now? And I looked at the crowd and I said, okay, now you're gonna do a primal scream. One, two, three. And they all screamed back at me. So we had a screaming match back and forth. And um, and then I started doing these big jam sessions. And, and I remember thinking to myself, you know what, I've learned something here about not just being this very sensitive songwriter and hoping everybody would tune into my songs. I learned how to make songs that a crowd would um, listen to and I could get their attention. And um, on that note, I started writing songs for those people. And I said, what would they like to hear? And I, I wrote a sing-along and it became a hit. And what, oh, I didn't, I left out one part of the story. And that is, after I finished my set for the first time where I did the screaming match with the audience, the guy said, Tom, Tommy said, when you wanna work here for the summer, you got a job. And I stayed there for the summer. I lived in a tent of the house band across the street. And I became kind of a legend in the town. <laughs> and that's when I went to Los Angeles. And uh, I said, I think I could be successful 
So here is my great sing-along song that won those people over. And I never wrote a song like this before. Everybody's got their little weakness And temptation will point to the fun But you'll never find out where temptation will lead you If you're stuck in your imagination So go out and get the experience Or if you want, just stay home in your bed You gotta live out your fantasies, fulfill your desires Let this get out of your head So baby, do it till you're sick of it do it till you can't stand no more. Do it till you're sick of it. Do it till it becomes boring. Everybody's got their perversions. Something in the closet they hide. Everybody needs some diversion. Some things occupy their time. And there are those folks that might make their judgments. They will try and make you feel the guilt, but I say do it till you're sick of it. Do it till you feel the hill. Oh baby, do it till you're sick of it. Do it till you can't stand no more. Do it till you're sick of it. Do it till it becomes boring. Now I'd like to tell you about a stipulation. One you may already know. Don't hurt nobody when you're doing it. Don't let nobody hurt you. Yes, I'd like to tell you about an exception where the stipulation might be at fault. Painful pleasure's okay. That is your bag. As long as you're consenting adults. So, baby, do it. Tell your sick of it. Do it till you can't stand no more. Do it. Tell your sick of it. There we go. Unmuted. Great. <laughs> so that's how I started. Okay. And uh, don't tell anybody. You know, then I went to Los Angeles. I said, I'm good enough to become successful. And I ended up writing songs with Brian Holland of Holland Dozier Holland. 
and I had three synchronicities with him that uh, by the time we were finished, he said, "When God must have sent you. And I'm not, I don't have time to tell you that story. We have to go to Whole Planet Healing. And uh, thanks for letting me indulge myself and share that with you. <laughs> and uh, thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Ben. Thank you all. We go to Whole Planet Healing. Hope to see you there. Yeah, don't move. If if you're on if you're on BBS Radio, don't touch the dial, because we're going to a different uh, conference call, and um, and but BBS is going to plug that call into our broadcast. So we'll see you shortly. This session is no longer being recorded. Goodbye. Yes, you are on the BBS Radio TV channel. Hi, BBS. Welcome. Welcome okay. to everybody on BBS. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Wayne. And anybody else? Hi, Wayne. Hi, Antonio. It's Jeannie in such a fight. Hi, Jeannie. Hi, Jeannie. Hi, Jeannie. Hi, is not here. Everybody else is. Who's got birds chirping? Me. They're happy to be on the call. Welcome to Hope Planet Healing. Would you like to say your name and location? Hello, Antonio. I didn't hear the first part, but anyway, thank you for reading me. Hello, everybody. Hi, hi. 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 I forgot I, I, get, I get excited. There you go. I know. So, did that, did that story keep your guys' attention? Yeah, I've heard it several times. Mm-hmm. You've, heard, you've heard it before, Cecil? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I never, to- I never told the whole thing in one fell swoop, though. That may be. But I'm, right, I've heard right. before, but I'm not, I'm not bored yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good story. <laughs> I tried so hard to get on that call, but I had no signal. But I finally got one for this call. Thank God. Yeah, Thanks for being a Kathleen. Thank we are at 7.06 and live on BBS, so let us get going. Is the whole gang here? Yes. Antonio? Excellent. Yes, sir. Which one's the graph? Yeah. So, Granada. Muted. Hello, hello. Hello, Jackie. I hope you're doing well. Yes, All right. thank you. Vin? Yeah, well, right. I'll just, when you I'll, want to open up? I'll say one thing, yes, and then I'll turn it over to Jackie. All right. So today is still May 16th. Here we go. The recording has started. This is May 16th, 2022. And this is Winfrey. And if you are listening on BBS and you happen to uh, stay over, okay, and you're still here, 
it was actually my music that caused all this connection with the Elohim. And it had to do, I mean, there's a lot of years in between, a lot of stuff happened. And I was writing articles for a metaphysical magazine. And there was this conference in Monterey. And I got permission from my editor to go to that conference and interview people. Because I was getting paid for every interview, like $150. And so I said, geez, I could go there and there's 10 luminaries there and I'll, I'll see how many I can interview. And so it was a big trek because I was living in Los Angeles and I had to drive 300 miles to go to the conference. And when I walked in the door of the conference, there was this beautiful woman staring at me and I looked at her and I said, do you know me from somewhere? And she said, you remind me of an author I had a crush on. And I said, I'm an author. I'm writing the reincarnation of Edgar Casey." And she said, I love Edgar Casey." And I said, let's meet for coffee tomorrow in the hotel. So we met in the hotel and we're sitting down next to each other. And I said, so what do you do? And she said, I write poetry. And I said, I write poetry too. And then she said, I do astrology charts. And I said, I do astrology charts too. And then she said, she plays music. And there was a piano in the room. And I walked over to the piano and she followed me and sat on the bench. And I sung an old song called First Encounters of the Close Kind, which, is, which was about meeting a woman in a coffee shop and, and having a connection and having a one night stand and she became the love of my life. And it was really a good song. And um, she was swooning. And 30 days later, she, was, she came to LA to be with me. I did not encourage her. And um, that was Daphne. And then we needed, at the time, I was so into writing the reincarnation of Edgar Casey. I was living in my RV. And um, I now suddenly have this woman showing up and we rented an apartment and we had to make some money. And we were driving from LA to Portland, Oregon, about 700 miles or something, I think. And it was pouring rain in, in Northern California. And I did a prayer protection for safe driving. And at the end of the prayer, I said, does anybody want to talk to me? 
said it like a joke because I'm writing about channeling and the reincarnation of Edgar Casey. And she answered and said, we're here. Do you have questions? And I thought she was kidding me, but I asked some questions. And then she said it was the strangest thing that ever happened to her. And a few days later, we did it again. I thought maybe she was crazy. And again, the voice came through her when I said, they said, do you have questions? And I said, how come my girlfriend can do this? They said, your girlfriend's from another dimension. She came here to bring these messages in, and this is an important connection. And I said, how do I know she's not crazy? Can you guys predict the newspaper headline? And then they said, watch for this headline in two weeks, and it happened. And that was the whole beginning of this. And it was because I sung that song in the hotel that she did all that. In any case, that's just a postscript to the story earlier. And uh, I turn it back to Jackie. Thank you so much, Wynn. And uh, I'm not sure I heard the date set. So um, today is Monday of uh, May 16 of 2022. And I'm Jackie from Julian, California, and I'd like to welcome everyone to the Whole Planet Healing Conference Call. And especially, we appreciate our BBS radio listeners who join us on Monday and Wednesday because we appreciate that you add your extra energy to our efforts on this call. And just to clarify what this call is about, it's an open call, but those who consistently join this call are driven to be of service and want to make this world a better place. Tonight and every evening, the Whole Planet Healing Call involves a collaboration of all of you who have joined us or listening to a replay and our sources, the same sources that contacted Winfrey and Terry Brown uh, about 20 years ago. And for over 15 years, this call began as an experiment that Winfrey initiated with the encouragement of positive interdimensional beings who contacted him that, those 20 years ago. And these are the... Um, These are um, these sources have indicated, and what makes this call special is that they are adding their energy to our request for healing, primarily the planet, but also for the people, places, and situations that concern us. And we always like to begin our call with the usual suggestion to let go of any distractions from your day. Get comfortable, relax, become centered and grounded, and let's gather and focus this elevated group energy and prepare to tackle and shift the issues that we're concerned about tonight. And let's officially uh, begin the call by welcoming Cecil from near Seattle, Washington, who will recite our invocation 
requesting energetic protection for ourselves, this call, and this work. Cecil? Thank you, Jackie. Father, Mother, God, the one infinite creator, we ask for the presence of the light to surround and protect everyone in attendance, including those on BBS radio. And any negativity be taken to the highest realms of light and be transmuted for the highest and greatest good of all concerned. We see ourselves in the flow of energy radiating from the center of the universe through the galaxies, through our galaxy, the Milky Way, through our solar system, through the outer energy fields of planet Earth, through our bodies, and into the center of the Earth. Right now, we invoke a group energy connection with all those present who are open to do so while maintaining the sovereign integrity of our souls. We invite those sources who are positive, service to others, honoring the law of one to join with us. We co-create a protected space that only the positive has access to. Anything not of that nature must leave now. Back to you, Jackie. Thank you so much, Cecil. Well, another thing we do at the beginning of this call is we're we're joined by Winfrey and Terry Brown, and uh, they just spend a couple minutes to share some of their recent thoughts with us. So, Win, are you available again? Hello, Win. Earth calling when? Star six when? Jackie? Yes. Yeah, we hear you. We're here. Okay. So, you know, I went back in time in the first hour. (laughs) I'm still back in time. I'm feeling like I'm a young person again. And um, of course, that all evolved into something epic. And I decided what was happening was far more important than playing music and writing songs. And, um, And we're here talking to I don't even think I when I say it I think nobody will believe this but I'll say it we're talking to this source that says they created the universe and uh, Terry Brown is the channel that they talk through and not only do they talk but they can project energy into this realm people can feel their energy 
Sometimes miracles happen around them. And I turn it over to Terry to say a few words. I think I'm turning. Terry, are you there? No, Teddy has not called in, apparently. Yeah, okay. She was tired, so she might have gone to sleep. So um, you'll have to come in tomorrow and hear Terry. Or Wednesday, we do a channeling. Terry, okay, are you Okay, well, I'd like to... Yeah, I'd like... Is Did she pop in? No. Well, I would like to say a couple of things about Terry <laughs> as we move on and uh, possibly wait for her to come in. Terry is responsible for the majority of the channeled messages that have occurred in the last 20 years. And those messages have been archived on thespiritchannel.net. And you can access such a wealth of information by listening to these messages firsthand. And some of them have transcripts. And um, just so you won't be overwhelmed by these thousands of messages, there is a search feature that enables you to easily bring forward any subject matter of a particular interest. And uh, I encourage everyone to, uh, to uh, go to the Spirit Channel and get into that wonderful material. Now... Not everyone can spend adequate time pursuing these archives, so the Whole Planet Healing Call has a special segment that many of us appreciate, and this is it. Next on our call, we are going to join Bonnie from Corona, California, who scans through the archives on the Spirit Channel, as well as other compatible resources, and she chooses a message to share with us each night. So, Bonnie, what can we look forward to this evening? Hi, thank you. Okay, we are going to finish up this chapter that we've been reading from the last few nights. And this is from, this is chapter 17 from Wynn's book, The Reincarnation of Edgar Casey. And the title of this particular chapter is healing the original wound, and reconnecting with God. And so uh, we've read almost this whole chapter, but I'm going to back up a couple of paragraphs here uh, so we can allow the BBS listeners to kind of get in on the, on the theme here. So this is a channeling. This is raw through David Wilcock, and there are several uh, channelings within this book, and I recommend it highly to anybody who's interested. And so let me go on. When you recognize that the source within yourself is that same source, that is within all others, you then lessen the difficulties in forming a bridge between how your own issues could be acted out in your life by others around you. 
the ones whom you hold the most closely and dearly are truly the strongest mirrors for you. Granted, they may have many of your traits and issues in an exaggerated form, and you would have a difficult time ever believing that such traits would exist within yourself. However, they would not still be around you if their purpose had been fulfilled. The guiding forces of life would separate your two paths since it was no longer necessary. In many relationships, this duality play of yin and yang forces will continue to exist in cycle after cycle. You have the good and the bad, the triumphant and the disastrous, all working together as a collective vehicle for your advancement. Many times you have chosen this relationship so that the other self can grow with you and mutual progress is then possible. A relationship becomes more and more unbalanced if this does not occur and will eventually result in separation and or death of one of the participants once a certain age is reached. If you're wondering why we needed to include death in the last sentence, simply this. We are talking about relationships that are often consummated in marriage. It is a fact that upon your plane, many horribly unbalanced situations between two entities remain constricted within the contract of marriage long after they have outlasted their usefulness. This is not to say that we are issuing a prophecy regarding the death of someone that is not suitable for you, but whom you have trouble getting away from. More importantly, it is for you to see that many of these relationships become lifetime endeavors of personal growth and healing. Now, in situations where such a binding constriction occurs, there may, be, there may not be mutual growth. Nevertheless, if the situation persists without divorce or natural separation, there is still some force within the self that is compelled to continue the game of conquest and loss, passion and disappointment, love and anger. If you do not have a romantic relationship at this time, do not be so blind as to assume that these rules do not apply to you, as these passion plays exist in various degrees between yourself and all others with whom you would interact, especially those whom you see or think about most frequently. And again, this is but another mirror of the self, expressing yet a deeper layer of the personality for your view so that it might be assimilated. 
the choice of relationship is usually one that is carefully weighed out in the higher realm long before the two entities ever even meet for the first time. Therefore, we are not necessarily advising you to simply drop out of a situation that has been deemed unpleasant by one or both parties. More to the point, your personal responsibility isn't seeing how the upsetting aspects of that interaction are but facets of your own healing process, exposing the very issues that you have with yourself so that you may examine them on the stage of your life. And in this sense, a relationship with greater conflict can be of greater use as those with conflictual relationships are those who are in need of this method of healing. You are doing yourself and others an enormous disservice if you are still naive enough to think that you have no role or responsibility in the creation of your conflicts. Once you achieve enough willpower to be able to claim that responsibility, you will find that it is impossible to harbor resentment for anyone, since all conflict is born of the illusion of having been abandoned by God. For many, this pain is still very present and can be easily touched off with the slightest of disturbances. Once you recognize that you were never abandoned to begin with, and are constantly surrounded by a multiplicity of beings who love you more than you could ever possibly imagine and are working diligently to make you see it, then self-realization and unity consciousness is the only responsible choice that remains. Your spiritual growth process is a minute-by-minute day-by-day, lifelong affair, whether you make the conscious choice to see it as such or not, the more difficult experiences will lessen in their intensity when your attitude no longer has a place of resentment and negative emotions over them. Again, we state that your attitude is everything that there can be nothing of greater importance in dealing with problematic situations than keeping a positive attitude. When you can no longer be hurt by either enemies or loving friends, you have stepped outside the prison of third density consciousness and given yourself room to expand into the higher levels of your own being. And the trump in your deck is the awareness that there is no separation, that all is indeed one. Never forget that your own church of pain can also be the sepulcher of relief. Cut loose the ties that bind you to separation and embrace unity. Relive the memory of that true home that knows no boundaries 
no distinctions, but truly is all everywhere and anywhere. No, I'm sorry. That is all everywhere and every when. That moment is available to you right now as you read these words. It is in every moment should you but allow its awareness to become your own. We wish you well on your continuing journey and remind you that you are loved more than you could ever possibly imagine. Peace be with you in the light of everlasting love. And we now end this reading at Annoy. Back to you, Jackie. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bonnie. That was um, great advice from the Raw Group. And uh, speaking of getting great advice (laughs) from trusted sources, we have been advised by our sources to focus on current events on this call. And in the case of earthquakes and volcanic activities, they suggest that the most beneficial action we can provide is to send an energy of calmness to Mother Earth. So we are going to join Jennifer from Greensburg, Pennsylvania, who researches the most current earthquake and volcanic activities. And as she guides us over the Earth's surface, pointing out any areas of concern, let's radiate a calming frequency to these highlighted areas. Jennifer? Thank you, Jackie. As we begin our journey tonight, I want to invite our sources to journey with us as well as the spirit of Mother Earth. We send down calming and they can increase, enhance that calming. The first place we're going to go is to Hawaii. We did have um, the usual little bit going on down around Pahala, but in all in all today, Hawaii had a calm day. Um, The largest activity was up by Mauna Kea, and it was a 2.6. And then we had a small incident uh, activity over by Kilauea, but that one was under two. And then a few here and there down around Pahala. So let us just take a quick moment of our time and send calming down to everything that affects the activity there. The fractures, fault lines, hot spots, those undersea volcanoes, of which there are so many (laughs) everywhere. And anything else, even the vibrations that come around the uh, ring of fire, affect this region. Now we're going to move south. We're actually going to zip all the way south of New Zealand. We had a 5.3 that just occurred a little while ago, and this isn't on the fault line, and it is in the sea. And I don't have any other um, information about that. It's just an odd place to have that occur. Moving north, the Kermadec Islands really went quiet today. The largest we had there was a 3.9. Moving, now we're going to move west over to Papua New Guinea, we had a 4.6. And then now we're going to move over to the Indonesian area, 
where over by uh, Sumatra, which is about halfway out the Indonesian crescent, we have 5.8 and also 4.9 there. And this area is not exactly where um, the large volcano is. Uh, gosh, I can't even think of the name of it now. But this is this is between in between Jakarta and um, Sumatra, right in the middle there. Moving north now, we're going to come up to the Mariana Islands. We had a 4.5 continuing to north to Japan. We had a 4.0, and that's quite a uh, calming compared to what was going on in Japan last week. And then continuing north to the Kuril Islands, as part of Russia, um, we had a 5.4 there. <clears throat> and this was um, directly near <laughs> the Kuril-Kamchatka Trench. Now we're going to head east across Alaska, where it's just gone quiet. Uh, 3.4 on the mainland and virtually little baby earthquakes out in the uh, Aleutians. So we want to say thank you for that. And let's just send additional calm. Moving down to Canada, nothing reported. But we come down into the U.S. And Mount Rainier today had a little, kind of like a little hissy fit. They had like seven little earthquakes there. Um, very low level. But the fact of the the amount of activity that's going on under Mount Rainier and under Mount St. Helens and under Mount Hood is not great. So we want to calm that down. Just calm it down so nothing gets out of control. Moving down through Oregon, nothing reported, but we can always send Mount Hood and three sisters calming. Down to California, we did have a 2.7 at the Mendocino Triple Junction, and that's where Petrolia is. We have 2.7 there. And this area is very active. Moving down into California, we come to the geysers, low level. San Andreas, which was really quiet today, all the way down to small activities. And down to Southern California, where desert hot Springs had 3.8, and it had a bit of a little swarm going on there today. There were 15 small activities there, at Desert Hot Springs. And then looking at the eastern side of the state, we have, uh, of course, the Long Valley area and Ridgecrest. I also want to mention Idaho, Stanley, Idaho, which is, had three 2.4s today and West Yellowstone. And then moving down into Mexico, we had fours, 4.1 at Guatemala. And then we're going to continue down through Central America. We had 4.0 in El Salvador. And then off the coast in the sea, we had a 4.2 off the coast of El Salvador. And then a 4.6 in Nicaragua. And we're going to head straight for South America. We had 4.4 in northern Colombia, 4.6 in Peru, 4.0 in Chile, and a 4.9 down around the South Sandwich Islands, where at the southern tip of South America. We're going to move up the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, 
all the way up to the Norwegian Sea. Now, this is above um, Iceland and right on the Mid-Atlantic Ridge there. I don't think there's land or anything. I think this happened in the sea. And there was a 4.6. And then moving down through um, Iceland, we didn't have anything in the force, but we did have some threes there today. And then continuing down, all the way down to um, Morocco, which is in northern Africa, we had a 5.0. And then just west is the um, Madeira Islands, and they had some activity today there, too. <clears throat> and I did not see the Canary Islands, but they're right in that area as well. But we'll, we'll just send calm to that whole region. And then moving across Europe, everything was threes or less until we got to Crete in Greece. We had a 4.2 and a 4.3 in Afghanistan. And that was all. Brings us back to where we started. I'd like to thank you guys, everybody, for your participation. And I'll send you back to Jackie. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Well, um most of you probably would agree that there are many other situations occurring in our world right now that have us very concerned. So in just a few moments, Wynn will take us on his guided visualization where he will address many of those other issues. But right now, the phone lines are being unmuted, and you have this opportunity to put your concerns into the light always keeping in mind that the highest and greatest good for all be considered. And if you're listening to us on BBS radio or to a replay, this is also the right time to put forth your personal concerns. And I would just like to thank everyone for your contributions and your service tonight. Unmuted. I would like to put into our light uh, assistance with uh, all these wildfires worldwide, uh, prevention and uh, gentle rain taking away the uh, cause and effect of uh, what is creating it, and full assistance for all those uh, caught in the middle of it in every way at all times in every possible way. Thank you so much. Tom in San Jose, support and protection for Sidney Powell, Mike Landell, and for the movie 2000 Years. Thank you. This is Jeannie in Tidriff Heights. There's a Google Insider whistleblower by the name of Matt Voorhees, who was recently featured in the docuseries Propaganda Exposed. He has a lot of knowledge about the censorship so that is being imposed on human communication these days. And he had some suggestions I'd like to pass along with the idea of us taking back our power to communicate freely, to share information with each other, which will in turn further empower us. He knows from the inside what Google and the other big tech companies are doing, and these are his suggestions. Quote, stop using the big tech oligarchy. You are essentially feeding the beast. Their biggest fear is that Facebook at all 
will go the way of MySpace and that the public will migrate to platforms that they don't control. When that happens, they lose control over the message. Instead of Facebook, use on locals. Instead of Google, use DuckDuckGo or StartPage. Instead of AOL or Gmail, use ProtonMail. And instead of Chrome, use Brave. Instead of YouTube, use Patreon or BitChute or Rumble, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, unquote. No, over there. Look, see the oils. I put the oil there. No, look. No, look. Here, oil. No. I ask the Elohim to be with us, to protect us, and to protect our communications when we share truth with each other. Truth that the negative would rather we didn't know and were not able to share. Truth that they want to quash at every possible turn. The more truth we share, the more quickly the human race will awaken from its dream, and each human will become the master of his or her own destiny. May that day come quickly. Thank you. This is Cecil. I'd like to put my daughter, Jill, into, in, into the light for healing of her sight and her her eyes, uh, that they may heal and, and be well so that she can um, continue her job that entails reading small print. Thank you very much. Anyone else before Jennifer goes over the personal healing list? All right, Jennifer, please take it from here. Thank you, Heise. I'm going to do this really quick. I want to put everybody on this call onto our healing list. You can express your needs to the Elohim privately. Um, I have the following list of people that I do want to mention. Cecil and Betty who need our prayers, Lauren, and Joe T, who needs a little extra oomph tonight. So let's send her a little extra healing energy. Tom in San Jose, Jackie and Julian, Antonio Jr., Sr., and Abby, Maxalina in Ojai, and Morning Sky in Oregon, Kathleen in Broomfield, Vermont, and our dear, dear friend, Terry. We want to send her love, light, healing energies. And so happy to hear she's feeling a little better. And also send Terry a big oomph of love, light energy as well, that he can continue this work. And I also want to put Judy on our list. And say thank you very much to the Elohim. And back to you. Jackie. Thank you. Muted. This is Wynn, and we're going to do a very quick planetary visualization. And the idea is, as we do this as a group, we're having parts of the group 
the Elohim group and part of the Ra group, adding to our energies. So it makes it very powerful. We start out surrounding our planet with this group energy, and we are going to be repeater stations, sending the love light of the higher realms to the surface of our planet. We see it uplifting the vibrations wherever it's able to be received. We start out with the humans who are service to others. The children and the young people who are sensitive to the energy but don't have wisdom and discernment yet. And we hope and we put in this field that as they get older, they will get discernment and wisdom. And we go to the animals and the pets, particularly the pets who help keep their owners' hearts open. And we send this energy to them all. We go to the plant life, the trees, the bushes, and the grass. And we send this energy to all of the plant life that can receive this energy and move it through their bodies, their trunks, their stems, and their roots into the earth. We go to the rocks, the minerals, and the crystals, and we ask that they can hold this energy in a very stable field because they have very powerful and rigid matrices. And we go to the insects who are part of the balance of nature, like the bees, and we send this energy for their endurance as a species. We go to the fish and the sea life and the dolphins and the whales. Now we go through the surface of the earth. We go into the interior of the earth and we send healing to Mother Earth who has to process all the things that happen in her interior as well as on the surface. We send gratitude for giving us this opportunity to have physical embodiments on her planet. We go to the energy waves that travel through the Earth that connect with potential earthquakes and volcanoes in the future. And we send them calm energy. We go back to the surface of the Earth and we go to the three major earthquake zones. And we have to go fast tonight. So we send each one a column of light, the Ring of Fire, the New Madrid fault line, and the Mid-Atlantic fault line. And we send calm energy through this column. 
to all of these zones, and we ask our sources to help us locate, to help locate all the other potential earthquakes and volcanoes, and we send them all calm energy. We go to the other out-of-balance situations, starting out with the coronavirus, its mutations, and any other pathogens that are contagious, and ask that they be rendered harmless. We go to the immune systems of humans, and we ask that they can be strengthened. We go to the toxins in vaccines and ask that they can be transmuted. We go to all the agendas of those who are sometimes called the negative elite, which are not operating for the highest good of all concerned, honoring free will, the newspapers and the media that bends the truth or doesn't tell the truth or doesn't tell stories that are important. And we ask for obstacles. We go to the, to the awareness of humans and we ask that humans become aware of all the chicanery that goes on this planet and not be tricked to thinking it's positive. We ask they become aware of the higher realms and the ability to get the higher realms to work with intentions to cause things to shift. We go to the governments of our planet and we ask for qualities of leadership that make people feel safe, like um, benevolence, compassion, wisdom, courage, integrity, and ethics. We go to the countries who are adversarial with each other and the groups and ask for the resolution of conflicts without violence. And we go to Ukraine and Russia and ask for a resolution to this war taking place there and peace. And we go and ask for interventions in these following areas. We ask that no nuclear weapons be allowed to go off on our planet. We ask for transmutation of toxic materials in food, water, air, and medicines. Finally, we bring this back to ourselves. We see the energy 
of love light flowing through the universe, through the galaxies, from the Milky Way, through our solar system, through the outer energy fields of planet Earth, and landing on our rooftop, where we have an energy filter that only allows positive energy through it. And if we're comfortable, we can invite this energy into our home and lift the vibration of our house. Transmute negative energy in our house. We can invite this energy to surround our home, to protect us from negativity in the world. And we can invite this energy into our body, helping us to open our chakras, break down obstacles, transmute past life patterns that are no longer useful to us, and activate our DNA. We can feel that energy right now. Reminding you that you're each an aspect of the one infinite creator, temporarily experiencing these physical bodies on planet Earth. And we're going to end the verbal part of this call. We're going to leave the phone lines open for those of you that want to hold this energy for as long as you like. And if you're on BBS, if you feel the energy of what we're doing and want to learn more, go to thespiritchannel.net. Thespiritchannel.net. We have 10 calls a week. We have live conversations, and it can change your life. Thank you all for being here, and we'll see you next time.